Okay. All right. Three. All right. One. Okay. Seven. Seven. But it's already recording. Six. Yeah. Five. No, out later. We're gonna have to trim some. Oh. Four. This happens every time. Three. three. Do I have any watermelon between my two. Jumps? Yes, you have one. What's up, dudes and chicks? This is Go Forth, and this is your co-host, the better co-host, Jude. Whoa, ouch. <laughs> this is the best Lies. co-host, <clears throat> Crab. Welcome to our podcast. And today, we have two guests with us. The first time we're doing a, a two-guester, <laughs> that's a word. Uh, we have two religious brothers. Uh, they're basically seminarians, but technically not. But they are studying to be priests at the moment. Their names are Brother Luke Rawicki and Brother Andrew Tori, And they're studying here in Rome, where me and Jude are currently um, residing, I guess. <laughs> Chilling. 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 <laughs> Actually, we're not in Rome right now. We're like in Naples. But uh, Weren't you guys both born in Louisiana? Yes. That's New Orleans. Correct. Wow. Just outside of New Orleans. Four people born in Louisiana. So you're in for a One special room. episode. That's Go right. forth. A special episode. <laughs> uh, so Brother Luke, how about you introduce yourself and then hand it over to Brother Andrew. And Who are you? All right. Hello, everyone. I'm Brother Luke Rowicki. I am one of six kids of the Rowicki family. I joined the Legionaries of Christ in 2009. So it was my 10-year reunion. Studying, I just finished my first year of theology Exams went well, and getting ready to start up again next year in October, but first, vacation. Mm. Awesome. And then over here, Brother Andrew Torrey, tell him a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm from Slida, Louisiana, arguably one of the, one of the best in, uh, in Louisiana. And I'm, like Brother Luke, I joined Legion 10 years ago, and I am currently doing a master's in philosophy in Rome. Um, Brother Luke skipped two years because he was just way too smart. So uh, holy, exactly. <laughs> so I need to work on those qualities which Brother Luke has in abundance. So I have two more years to do that, and um, and staying humble. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> staying humble. Always so, important. Yes, very important. So I think Brother Luke, you're what three years away from the priesthood. Three years away from the priesthood. Three year, and I'm five. So 2022 and 2024. There you go. Whoa. Yeah. And Christian is 2,024 years away from the priesthood himself. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very long time. <laughs> so he has a while. That's true. <laughs> I'll be there one day. No, that's awesome. It's, I bet you guys are excited. Very. And on that topic. Indeed. Oh, cool. Okay. Um, on that topic, I think one thing that we could talk about today would be discernment. And why would anyone want to discern? Because... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a there's a big um like obviously there's a lot of fear involved in it. I don't know as much about it as you guys do, so I wanna um Crab and I can just ask you guys a couple questions. Maybe um if we think of a good like discussion we can have about it. That way if there are people who are listening to this that feel like maybe God's calling me to do something more or something different, um, they'll have the courage to do that. So maybe um brother Luke can you tell us like what did you what did you feel when you first felt like man I want to be I I feel like God might be calling me to be a priest like what did that feel like was it difficult can you kind of like tell us about that Yeah so I was studying at Texas A&M University Woo 
for all the Aggies listening to this. And I finished my second year of architecture, and I really liked it. I was happy doing it. Building bridges. Building bridges. Out of pieces of twigs in college. And such. Exactly. So we did a lot of that. We did some other things as well. A lot of drawing and computer work and egg, egg photography. Toss. Photoshop. <laughs> the um, egg drop. Not, actually, no, that was, that's a high school that's high school level, well, guys. Come on. I've seen. This is college. This is university. <laughs> so doing, doing all that kind of things, not the egg drop, but all the other things that I mentioned. And um, the Holy Spirit dropped into my life mm. on Divine Mercy Sunday, 2009. And his bridge was not strong enough. And I had been, yeah, sort of constructing my life on having fun, hanging out with my friends. I had a rock band. I thought I had everything I wanted. I had a girlfriend. I... Um, was good. Like my, my grades were good, but still felt like something was missing. And it wasn't until that talk on Divine Mercy Sunday that I realized that faith is not about following rules. It's meeting God who loves you and coming to know God who loves you. And when I finally met that God, I had that really powerful experience in a very personal way at that talk. Then I started telling God, okay, well, since you're God and I'm not, I'm going to let you figure out my life for me and I'm just going to do whatever you tell me. And I started making that my prayer and it helped immensely because it takes away the fear when we realize that we can trust God. He's a God who loves us. Um, but the fear remains a little bit, but it's always because we, we trust too much in ourselves or we're relying on our brains to figure things out and not enough on God who is all knowing and all powerful and all loving. Wow. So awesome. Yeah. Sweet. To do that, yeah. Sweet. All right, well, Brother Andrew, how about you tell us what, what is discernment? So think of, think of yourself like walking down uh, a long street. It's a hot day. It's summertime, like right now here in, here in southern Italy where we're on vacation. And you're walking down the street, very hot. And at the end of the street, you start seeing like a bunch of wavy lines and wavy spaces in the air, right? Um, which is called a mirage, right? Because you can't yeah. quite pick out, you know, what the image is, right? And we've all seen, seen what those look like. Well, discernment is basically trying to understand what you see that's really far away, and you're not close enough to see it, but you want to get an idea of what it is. So you have to kind of like pick through like what you know could possibly be there. Um, you have to kind of say, well, I know there, there can't be like a whale there, right? So I'm just going to discard that right away. Um, but there could be a car there, but I'm not quite sure. I'll step a little closer or maybe as somebody who lives over there, maybe I'll call them. So you're just trying to figure out what is that image at the end of the road. And that is discernment. Discernment is trying to understand from afar what this amazing, beautiful project that God has for our lives, a project that's not just about uh, even beyond being a priest or being somebody religious, it's about what, how does God want me to be fully alive? How does he want me to be completely fulfilled and satisfied in this life? Fully alive. How's that, how's that look for me? That's what discernment is. But uh, is discernment only for the priesthood? Like, is discernment for everybody? Um... No, yeah, of course, everybody. So you have to, you have to discern, like, um, for instance, if I'm... If I'm uh, like in high school and you know you're getting ready to you know you guys are in college right you have to figure out like well where what what do I like to do in life like what where, where could I see myself working um, what kind of college matches my 
you know, inclinations, desires, talents. And, and so it's, it's not just about, you know, God, it's, it's about, you know, basic big life decisions, but also small decisions as well. Hmm. So in a basic sense, is it basically just trying to figure out what God's will is for you? Yeah. What his plan is for you? Yeah, I would say that's, that's a really good way of looking at it. Yeah. It's like dropping the egg. (laughs) <laughs> and so, and without it cracking, right? To continue the metaphor, I guess yeah. you could say. <laughs> Back to egg drop. Okay. A little shaky on certain foundations there, but you know. <laughs> uh, awesome. Crab, tell us what's the single most asked question of you when you were a missionary? When I was a missionary? Mm. Oh. <laughs> are you studying to become a priest? <laughs> there it is. <laughs> I thought it was like, are you really a missionary? (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! Oh, yeah, just a side note. I uh, worked with these two brothers in D.C. for a whole year. Full disclosure. If they uh, (laughs) roast me a lot, that's why. (laughs) And if I don't laugh at their inside jokes, that's why. (laughs) You can still laugh politely. It's not not because I hate them. It's because I'm confused. (laughs) No, but um, I think think it's, uh, to Crab's point... We were, we were missionaries, and it's something that God, God called us to and um, kind of forced us to respond to. But it didn't, um, it didn't mean that we were going to be priests. Being holy doesn't mean you're going to be a priest. Being holy doesn't mean um, whatever, you're going to be martyred or something like that. Holiness is for everyone, and that's what we really have to discern. Um, kind of like what Brother Andrew was saying, marriage is a vocation, um, being a priest, obviously, is a vocation. And when we hear vocation, we often think like priesthood or religious life. Um, but really, your vocation is just what you're called to in your life. So, um, so yeah, like if I'm at the donut shop and I can't decide whether I want a jelly donut or a glazed donut, I have to discern which donut I want, right? I, yeah, those are these are decisions that need to be made. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe not even to have a donut. It might not be good for you. Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> maybe you, and especially somebody like you, should just go get some celery or something. <laughs> Chew on that a little bit. You know. Chew on that. Chew on that for a while. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Ouch. Mm. So um, another thing that I wanted to kind of touch on was um, that first step. Kind of like Brother mm. Luke, you told us like what you were feeling in your heart, um, but maybe Brother Andrew, you can tell us like that first step of you joining candidacy, that is the first part of your formation, um, and the realization that, oh my gosh, like I feel it on my heart that God um, might be or is calling me to be a priest, but now it's real. Like what were you feeling in that moment? Like in candidacy, you guys did candidacy together. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. So, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember when, when Brother Luke, he, so he... So I was already a candidate. It was we started candidacy June fifteenth, two thousand nine. And uh, when did you come in? For the I came on June fifteenth, but you came a few days before. Okay, yeah, yeah. So you came June fifteenth, but you were there for like a week or something. Like you weren't, you were not a candidate. No, you were just there visiting. Yeah. And then you were there like for a week or so. Yeah, and, and then that six days after, I had a round trip ticket to go back in a week. And then six days after I showed up, I, I mean, very long story short, in those six days I went through a lot in my prayer and everything, and talking to my spiritual director. But I went and got the uniform because in Kansas you wear a white shirt, black pants, black tie. Basically Mormon missionaries. Yeah. We look like Mormon <laughs> missionaries. Um, and Mormons are great. So we, yeah. Mormons are great. I have friends. But we're so not Mormon missionaries. Right. So we stopped wearing that now when we go out of the house. Um, 
But yeah. Anyways, so back to you, Andrew, and then maybe... I yeah, so that was just cool, because you yeah. joined the candidacy, you arrived without being a candidate, yeah. and you're like, hey, yeah, let's let's try it. I came to visit for a week, and I'm... Now it's 10 years up. 10 years <laughs> later, <laughs> still here. 10 years in, and we're here. still not priests. <laughs> <laughs> we still have, like, a couple more years to go. It's a great, great journey, though. So I felt... I, I first felt the call when Pope John Paul II died in 2005. Hmm. Um, when he died, I was just curious as to why I was feeling so sad. Why, why I was 14 years old. Why was I, this 14-year-old teenager who didn't know anything about the church, why was I crying that this old guy on TV was dying? Um, and I just started asking myself, why, like, what's the deal with that? And how is it that this, this guy affected me so much, even though I've never met him before? And so his death, and then all the events in the church that happened that year in 2005, the election of the new pope, Pope Benedict, all that, all that uh, period of just like a, an invasion of grace from the Holy Spirit that, that touched me as well. And I started asking, like, I started asking myself, what am I going to do with my life? You know, how, what's the best thing I can do? And that's, when, and that's when I was like, I want to help people get to heaven. That was my first, very first motivation. Mm. I, want to help, I want to help people get to heaven. And that's when I decided, that was, I was in ninth grade, I wanted to do the candidacy. So I had, I had that decision for a while. Um, but I think, Jude, what you were saying earlier is really important you, you were talking about the heart you know the heart the heart you repeat, you repeated that a couple of times i think that's the most essential question for anybody when you're facing a life decision is you look at the desires of your heart what are the what are the the authentic deep desires of my heart because god puts those desires in your heart and he it's not like some it's not like he's coming up with this you know, ingenious plan to make you do his will and you must bow down to it. No, it's not like that. It's Whoa. like, it's like, you know, he, he makes you a certain way and you have talents and you have all this, these abilities and you, you have this sort of like pathway to happiness and you just need to figure out what those desires are in your heart. Um, and yeah, it's a kind of like think of the vocation not as something that comes from without, but that comes from within. And so, so I felt that desire to help get people to have I think that's interesting, though, because some people would say, like, oh, you know, like, in my heart, I want, you know, like, it's hard. That's what you have to discern, you know, like, because yeah, I could say, you know, hard. I want to have a wife and kids, you know, yeah. is that like. Yeah, maybe the Luke can, what do you think, the Luke? I mean, yeah, if you want to have a wife and kids, it doesn't necessarily mean you're not called to be a priest. It just means you're. A guy who's normal. Yeah, normal dude. And so every <laughs> every guy that we're studying with here in our Legion of Christ Seminary, yeah, would also have that desire to be a dad, because as a priest, you're also called to be a dad, and you're called to be a spouse of the church, which maybe can sound weird, but it's basically dedicating your entire life, sacrificing, laying down your life, for all the men and women and children of the church, and so in that sense, you're married to the church. That's your life. You're dedicated to it completely. And that's why we live celibacy, because we're fully dedicated to our spouse, which is the church. Yeah. I read this awesome article about celibacy the other day. And this, it, was a, it was a priest who was on the, the, the register, the National Catholic Register website. And the priest said that celibacy is it's about telling the person in front of you that you are number one for me. It's, it's telling that person I am totally available for you for whatever you need. And because I don't have to, I don't have to, to care for my, my wife or my kids, I am totally available for you. And it's, and that's a really profound act of love that really fulfills you. Mm. And, but like what Brother Luke was saying, like I, yeah, I mean like, it'd be great to get married and have kids. Sexuality is a beautiful thing. And like, 
having a really intimate relationship with 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 a woman and having a really deep friendship is a beautiful vocation and that's just awesome um and actually it's like while while I was working doing a couple pastoral years like I I felt that desire in me still um so it's something that's very normal and that's but it's but yeah like it's hard to figure out like well what is it for me what is it cuz it's cuz they're both really beautiful things and both vocations have amazing things that the other one doesn't but like brother Luke was saying there is a lot of there's a lot of similarity between them because mm-hmm. because as priests we are spouses and we we give our lives for our kids so wow and it helps to try the priesthood or to try to go to a discernment retreat because the desires that you have also will come from the experiences that you've had. And so you have an experience of your mom and dad and you had a, hopefully, I mean, God willing, a nice atmosphere in your family and that's attractive. And so you're like, I want that. But then you go and you, you meet a bunch of normal guys who are athletic and they're smart and they're funny and they know how to give a good time and they're willing to give their whole lives to God. And that's another beautiful experience. And then that actually helps discernment. It's not, you're not trapped in either one. You're actually more free to then say, ah, well, I think of those two experiences, God is calling me to this one or to the other one. Yeah. I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't even think about, you know? They're like, their first thought is, oh, well, I want to get married and have kids, so that's it for me. Like, they don't even look at it. <laughs> but you need to, like, you have to, to look, like Brother Luke yeah. was just saying. You have to experience it before you decide. Um, actually, I'm only going to say this because, well, I'll say after, but... Um, Look up the legionaries online, and they have like discernment retreats and stuff. And I only say that because I met a guy who literally joined the legion just because he saw a YouTube video of one of them giving a talk. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just go check them out. Maybe you, maybe you're called to the priesthood. Yeah. Unless you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something called Consecrated Women of Redenham Christi, yes. oh, which is definitely worth checking out, and it's an amazing vocation. Yeah, Google it, and there's we've got some really. Um, top-notch consecrated women working in the States. And in D.C., if you're ever around there, t- uh, t- look up Amelia Hoover and Helen Yalbier. They're just... Shout out. Shout, shout, out. Out. <laughs> shout out to our D.C. crowd. Yeah. You just got two more listeners on your podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. This is so yeah. nauseating. <laughs> Which is our new word for sick, like yes. gnarly. Like amazing. So it's, so shout it's out like, to Father Michael Baggett. Yeah. <laughs> shout outs ever. Shout out, Mom. Shout out, Mom. Love you. We love you. Pope Francis. <laughs> Pope Francis, if you're listening. We are praying for you. We are praying for you. Um, okay. Right. That was good. Um, so good. Okay. Before we completely lose track of where we're going, as we just did. Um, what about those people? So. One time I was talking to a priest and he, he was talking to me about discernment and stuff like that. And he says, I, I was talking to a guy the other day and this guy started like breaking down crying and he's married and he has kids. And he says, I feel like my whole life God was calling me to be a priest, but I never, I never responded to that. And I like fought it and I didn't do it. And he says, I just feel like I missed my opportunity. <laughs> That's like mm. really dramatic. Yeah. But like. Is that, is that, obviously it's not like this dude's going to go to hell because he like didn't answer that. But, but what do you say for those people who, is it a, is it a such thing where you can just like avoid your vocation and just completely like. Or make the wrong choice. Yeah. Is there, I don't know. Do you guys have any insight on that? Well, I think that 
So this, so the, mm. this, this, this guy's particular situation, he's married and he has a family. Mm. Um, so obviously we can't say that, oh, well, he's actually called to be a priest. Well, no, he's, he's married, he made a decision, and, and he has a family to care for, and that's, that's his, his mission. And, and that's his pathway to fulfillment. So even if he thinks that, oh, you know, I had this opportunity, I didn't take advantage of it, he shouldn't for one second be tempted to, to think that I'm somehow you know, less, or I'm somehow, I, I'm, I somehow have lost my pathway to, to true fulfillment and deep, lasting satisfaction. No, of course not. Um, I think, uh, maybe Brother Luke can explain a little bit, but I also think that um, God, he, he's just so amazing because he, he loves us so much and he respects our freedom. So even if you feel a call to the priesthood or a call to married life, God, you know, in a sense, he leaves the decision up to you. Now, for the priesthood, the church has to intervene and the church has to discern with you, right? So it's not just, you know, you deciding. But it's, a vocation is always an invitation. And it's always you making the decision or you saying yes to what is being offered. Yeah, I think, I don't have much to add to that. It's the, yeah, beautiful thing about God is how much he respects our freedom. Because he's not going to force us to do a vocation because he doesn't want to force us to love him. And every day we have an opportunity to love him and it's whether as a priest or a young man studying, young woman studying, married, it's your vocation is not just one decision you make and then it's either you messed it up big time or you ding, 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 you got it. No, mm-hmm. it's every single day and God in Romans 8 says all things work for the good for those who love God. And I love that line. It gives me a lot of peace because we're going to make mistakes every day but God knows when we love him for those who love God when we love him in the midst of our mistakes in the midst of our weakness he uses that and pulls out something even better just like he did with Adam and Eve when they messed up first book of the Bible and he already at that moment promises that he's going to send his son to save us yeah it's a greater good that comes out of a mistake that yeah man and woman make yeah and the church each year about that particular event you know Adam's fall that that gave us so great, so glorious a redeemer. Each year the church sings, uh, the sort of praises that fault of Adam hmm. uh, at the Easter Vigil when, it, when we say, oh, happy fault, oh, oh um, I forget the translation. It's like, oh, happy fault, oh, precious sin of Adam that gained for us such so great a redeemer. So, so if, so if the, the biggest my bad of history was rectified by the most awesome redeemer, don't, you can't ever conclude that, oh, you know, I, I, There's no hope. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, that's ridiculous. That's, that's a lie. It's a, it comes from, it's a temptation that comes from the devil. Yeah. Mm. Step on his face. Exactly. Crush him. Yeah. Like an infant scorpion. <laughs> I don't know. Like one time me and Jude were playing basketball and I missed a shot and then he like grabbed the rebound and dunked it. That was pretty good redemption. Like he redeemed my fault. A redunction, you redemption. mean? Redunction. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Whoa. That was. That, <laughs> I'm speechless. That was. We all nauseating. 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 That was very nauseating. nauseating. <laughs> it was a bad joke, <laughs> meaning it was really good. <laughs> well, also, I think that um, we said that marriage is a vocation as well, and I wanted to bring up this interesting, um, <laughs> this interesting topic. So. Crab and I were on the train the other day and we fell into this conversation with this young lady who said she was going to listen to our podcast. Um, I think her name was Elettra. 
If you're listening to this, God bless you. We're praying for you. Um, <laughs> also, yeah, whatever. Um, so she started saying, like, she doesn't get, um, she doesn't understand abstinence because she feels like before you marry someone, you should be able to try it out, try them out, try. And it was, it was really, um, I was kind of um, confused because she was really like seriously like passionate about it and I didn't exactly know what to say, but um, I, I thought of an answer at like, I was up at like three in the morning <laughs> and I was like laying there and I was like, wait a second. I kind of got it like, um, and we can add more to this for all those people who are listening who don't really understand it. Wait, let me see if I can get this right. Because <laughs> I was really confused, but yeah. what is it just, what is abstinence? Okay. Like, you... Yeah. So abstinence is basically like, um, waiting to, yeah. um, have sex, sex. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Sex is um, beautiful. Yeah. We don't yeah. need to be afraid. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Can't not say it. Um, waiting to have sex until you're married. Um, so she asked, she asked like, why is that a thing? Why is it? important that we abstain from sex until we're married. Um, and I started to think, well, what is, what is love? What is true love? True love is, correct me if I'm wrong, desiring the good of the other, right? Amen. Um, Very good. And I started to think about if you truly desire the good in the other, then you want, you want them to at all times feel loved and you don't want them to feel just like, oh, well, uh, my soul is just as important as what my body can offer. Um, and so true love is completely self-giving. And what are you going to do if you get married to someone who you quote unquote truly love and they get into a car accident and they're paralyzed and you know what? Like physical things aren't a thing anymore. You're going to say, well, you know what? That's actually 50% of why I married this person. So I'm going to leave or even more than 50%, right? How much weight do we put on that? So, um, yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else to well, Also, to on that? top of that, she also told Jude that he is going to be a priest, so... <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times this happens to me in my life. <laughs> um, I'm going to be a monk, so there it is. Yeah, <laughs> you can actually, stop telling me. He'll pray for us seminarians. <laughs> Jude then responded, uh, well, maybe pray for my vocation. And then she looked up at the ceiling and said... Lord, please make this guy a priest. <laughs> wow, that's a compliment. Wow. Yeah, no, it was, it was awesome. You must have been touched by what you said. Yeah. yeah. She yeah. said he was, um, what was the word? Wait, inspiring. Yeah, wow. she said, your words are very inspiring. And I said, it's not me. It's the Holy Spirit. Through you. She was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> anyway. It would be really awkward if she listens to this. <laughs> hey, this is about me. So, yeah. so the question is maybe kind of like, why can't I, tr if I can try out the, the priesthood like a little bit before becoming a priest, why can't I like try out marriage kind yeah, of thing? Yeah, yeah. Connection to vocation. Yeah. Um, well, I think that um, that's a really good uh, argument in favor of premarital sex. I think that's, it, make, it makes sense to me and I understand it. Um, I also think that the that the, the sexual act when husband and wife unite when man and woman unite is something that's so profound and so deep that it's the very language of the body is expressing something that needs to be already committed to 
Because what the language of the body is saying when man and woman come together is, I give myself over to you completely. I'm, I'm laying my life down for you physically, and I'm giving it to you as an act of love, as an act of, of, of total desiring your good and being there for you and an intimate connection with you. And if, if with your body you are saying something that is a lie, then that's wrong. Because if you haven't already given your life over completely to this, to this other person, or if you haven't already expressed uh, by a solemn promise, by a vow, your total dedication to that person in this life, then the sexual act is, is meaningless. And so, so the whole point of premarital sex, of, of, of avoiding premarital sex, is to prepare you for that solemn moment, that really deep, beautiful moment of giving yourself completely over to your spouse. And, and actually, um, you know, it's in a, we can talk about this a lot, but it's actually um, abstaining from sexual pleasure before marriage actually helps you to enjoy the sexual embrace more later on because you don't become, because right when you have that first uh, sexual contact, sexual intercourse with, intercourse with, with somebody else, your body releases um, uh, chemicals, um, I can't remember the exact, you can look it up, but chemicals that sort of unite yourself to the other person. Um, I don't know how to describe it technically, but if it's- It's like a psychological attachment yeah, okay. Do you want to pick up from here? No, you keep going. Okay, awesome. So, so the point is that the very first person with whom you unite in sex, uh, it's, it's a really good idea that that it, that's be the person with whom you spend the rest of your life. And I also want to say on another note that the Catholic Church can get a bad rap and say, oh, well, you, it's because you think sex is bad, but it's a total opposite. Total opposite. Because a lot of times you're going to see in most movies and music videos and things and videos on YouTube, people joke about it, sex isn't that big a deal, or you, you have this one night stand and it's just, it's nice or whatever. The Catholic Church values so much the sexual act that it protects it and it wants everyone to value it just as much as, as God does. And that's why you abstain and that's why you have, um, it's, it's one more means to help help us understand everything that happens in the sexual act and not just the physical pleasure. That's one part of it. But there is, like Brother Andrew was saying, a deeper union happening. Um, and marriage is such a beautiful thing that when you do make that commitment to someone for the for richer, for poor, better, or worse, in sickness and in health, and then with the sexual act, you uh, consummate the marriage is what it's called. When you say, okay, now I, now I give you physically because I've already given you my whole self spiritually and fully as a person then it has its full meaning and its full uh, awesomeness. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. That's kind of funny. I couldn't, I mean, we couldn't really think of an answer that deep when we were talking to her. So I put it into very, like, like a very non-spiritual way. I said, how many women will you want your future husband to have slept with before you marry him? And she was like, well, I mean, obviously zero. So, mm. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a good argument. Don't you think he wants the same for you? Yeah. Stumped. Boom. Yeah. Makes your heart grow fonder. Right. Abstaining yeah. makes your heart grow fonder. And is it really also if you have that temptation or that desire, just pray for your future spouse. I think that'll help you because it reminds you of what Christian just said. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. 
pray for your future spouse. Pray yeah. for wh- whoever they are, he or she that's out there, that also they are going to fight this battle too, and then it'll make it that much more meaningful for both of you. Yes. Absolutely. There's a really good, if you want, if you want to continue this topic, you can look up the, the testimony of Jason and Kristalina Evert. They have a really good... Theology of the body. Really good um, testimony about that, so... Yeah. Well, I think this can be like a double topic episode, discernment and premarital sex. Yeah. <laughs> Absence. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, meaning you want to continue it or... I mean, like, we've touched very deeply on both. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, there is one more thing that I wanted to ask um, you brothers before. Believe being that you're so close to the priesthood, um, what is or what are some of the things you're most excited about about being a priest? Um, I'd say my top number one is showing um, people God's mercy because that experience for me, the very reading of my vocation, meant everything to me and it completely changed my life because I was so used to thinking of God as someone that he's made a bunch of rules that I have to follow and they're all really hard and so... That kind of creates this conflict between me and God. When you realize that he loves you so much, he's a loving father, uh, it's a game changer. And so whether that's in confession, with sacrament of confession I'm very excited about, whether it's meeting someone on a train like you all did or on a plane or whatever it is, um, especially my own family members, uh, just trying to constantly be that instrument of God's mercy for people. Because you can do that. Anyone can do that. Everyone, we're all called to do that, but especially as a priest in a uh, real way, sacramental way, as another Christ walking on the face of the earth to show people that God loves them and forgives them always. He never gets tired of us asking forgiveness. That's beautiful. Brother Andrew? Yeah, I don't know if I can, I can't compete with that answer. It's really, it's really beautiful. It's awesome. Um, one of the things I'm, I'm really looking forward to is um, sh- trying to share or spread the joy of, of heaven. One thing I, I love thinking about is, is heaven and what, what it's going to be like in the future. You know, all of us united together around the Lord um, and Mary and, and all our family members and, and just complete, unending, um, ever-growing joy. Um, because that's going to be eternity. And like this life is like a little drop in the ocean compared to, compared to what's going to come. So I'm, I'm, I really feel that that's one of the themes that I really am excited about, uh, about heaven. Wow, I have a question. What what is the what has been the hardest part of your discernment these last ten years? Because hmm. technically, you're still discerning because you haven't taken your yeah final vows next year. Final next vows. year, God willing. So, what is what has been the most difficult part of your discernment? Maybe we could do both of you. Yeah, I have tons of difficult moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I mean, the path of the priesthood is not a you know, it's not it's not a smooth smooth pavement, right? It's not everybody's different, right? Um, I would say that as I was getting older, um, I'm, I'm a young strapping lad of 28 years old right now. Um, whippersnapper, exactly. Whippersnapper, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Get out of the Shout out to Stephen Howe. Shout out also to our future podcast, brother yeah. Andrew and brother Luke. Oh, yeah. 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 promoting yeah. your own podcast. <laughs> you just did. Anyways, don't want to do too much self promotion. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, will come back around. <laughs> exactly. So, I think one of the most difficult moments is realizing how beautiful married life is, and also realizing that as a priest, 
I am not going to have a wife and I am not going to have kids. Um, and it's a really beautiful thing and it's amazing and the world needs holy men and women, holy husbands and wives. Um, and that's something that as a priest that um, I will not, um, that, that won't be part of my life. Um, in, in either vocation that you choose, there's, you're always leaving something behind. But you're also walking towards something that's really awesome. And so, so while you recognize that, hey, yes, we're leaving this, this is something that's, that's being left behind, that I'm, that's a door that I'm, that I'm closing, and that's hard, and it's good that it's hard because a vocation has to have the cross for it to be authentic, then, um, I, so I, yeah, I would say that, that's, that's probably the most difficult part. And also realizing, um, like, my own weaknesses and my, my, my limitations, uh, my lack lack of ability to do certain things maybe working with like little kids is something that i'm not the best at but it looks really good at it um i love it but um <laughs> but yeah like just realizing more about myself and like man you know i can't believe you know this is how i am and I'm like but i'm still on this path um but i think all the difficulties that you can have are, are always opportunities to trust more because because he did we didn't choose him he chose us wow well, Brother Andrew, for the record, is very good at a lot of different things. <laughs> Working with youth, doing running retreats. Writing lists. Making doing lists. Actually, Brother Luke is better at list making than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and he's really good at puns. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Among many other things. But I would say, similar to what Brother Andrew was getting to at the end, um, was that fear of not having what it takes and then possibly being unfaithful later on. Because it's... Um, it's not a, it's a very high calling to be another Jesus walking around because Jesus is perfect and a priest is called to be another Jesus. And I think everything from the priestly scandals that we've all heard about recently, yeah. um, to an old priest that's grumpy. And I'm like, I don't want to be mm-hmm. either of those. I, I want to be, if I'm going to be a priest, I want to be a priest to the max and, and happy, joyful, loving, all the time, and I don't want to ever give make a you know bad impression on someone. Be a bad representation of Jesus, and um, and that's that's tough. And I know and I see that I'm very far from being perfect. Like Jesus wants me to be perfect, and so I think that's probably the hardest thing in many different ways that comes up uh, in different moments. But that's a great reminder that we all need to trust in God because every vocation we're all going to be too weak to fulfill it. So we need God's grace. Yeah, and I think, yeah. like, dovetailing what Brother Luke just said, um, there's a really awesome video that you should watch. It is a homily given by a bishop in the Philippines. I think it was this year. Mm. And the title on YouTube is, like, Are You Weak Enough to Be, to be a Priest? Something like that. It's really good. Um, and the bishop is, is he has, he has um, throughout his whole homily, it's an ordination mass. He's ordaining men to the priesthood. And he's not talking about like, oh, you're, you know, you're gonna be doing all these amazing things, or you're, you're another Christ, or he's not like giving them a pep talk. He's like, hey, you guys are weak. You guys have difficulties. Are you embracing those? Are you, yeah. are you, are you, do you, do you like the fact that you have weakness? Because if you do, that means you can identify with the people that you're gonna serve. Because we don't serve supermen. People can't. People don't identify with the super awesome amazing guy who can do everything and whatever. No, people don't identify with those guys. They identify with weakness because we are all weak. And once you realize that you are weakness, that, that, you're, that you're weak, and once you realize that you have these weaknesses, that's a golden opportunity. Because you can either say, man, I'm afraid, and like, oh, I don't know what I'm gonna do, and 
you know, I can't believe I have to carry this weight around. Or you can be like, wow, I can depend on Christ here. And it doesn't come from me. And it makes me humble. And it makes me more joyful too and more free because then it's like, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. I don't know, Brother Andrew. I'm pretty strong. I can bench press like at least 10 pounds. Not, you can't win a thumb war against me. Oh, though. yeah. Okay. Oh, that's right. Oh, man. Right now. Right Whoa. here. Right no. now. <laughs> right Not now. That's, that's when I wish this was a vlog. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think maybe now we can start wrapping up. This has yeah. been totally awesome. Maybe, Jude, maybe what can be some final pointers? Like, for people who are discerning, for those who haven't really even tried to discern... Don't knock it till you try it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, really, if you, if you feel in your heart that God might be calling me to be a priest or God might be calling me, um, if you're a girl, to religious life, then try it out. There's nothing wrong with, with going, spend a couple months in prayer. Um, you can do nothing but grow from that. So um, don't be afraid to, like the gospel says, cast into the deep. Um, like, Make, make it an act of trust, make it an act of faith, um, and really show God that you want to give him the first, the first chance in your life. Um, we always say that we love God, and it's easy to say that, but sometimes it's hard to act that out. So, so make that, um, make that your, your creed that you want, above all things, to do God's will. Yeah. And if, if you feel uneasy about it, or you're scared to do it because, you know, like... Oh, I don't want to be a nun. I don't want to be a priest. Well, maybe there's a reason for that, you know? Yeah. Maybe there's a reason you're scared because you know <laughs> it's there. And uh, also... Uh, um, maybe, also maybe also you have, like, the wrong image of who a nun is or who a priest is. Like, right. like I don't want to be a priest who's, like, boring and, like, <laughs> like weighs 300, 300 pounds <laughs> and, like, quote, like, like I, I want to be, like, a, I want to be fully alive. Boring 20-minute homilies. Exactly. Like, no, three-minute, amazing, awesome. Exactly. <laughs> no? Like, like, so, yeah, like, I don't want to be that type of priest or I don't want to be that type of, of, of consecrated person, but, like, because the, the, the goal is Jesus. Yeah. So, Amen. yeah, also pray for Jude's discernment. <laughs> Apparently he's going to be a priest. That's right. A monk. I'm going to be a monk. He's going to be a monk that makes butter. And fudge. And, <laughs> and beer. And beer. And lots of beer. Butter beer. Butter beer. Butter fudge beer. <laughs> I think we should let them say it. Oh. Oh, yeah, to practice for the priesthood. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So you guys, uh, we have a tradition at the end of our podcast. What oh. do we say? Go forth. The podcast has ended. And then you would respond. Thanks be to these Thanks, speedy God. Thanks, speedy God. Thanks, speedy God. Yeah. Yeah. God's so quick. Okay. (laughs) Brother Luke. Go forth. The podcast is ended. Thanks be to God. (laughs) Speedy God. Speedy God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.